0: Good morning, it's me again so thank you for joining us and as we are going to a time where Christmas is just two days away the typical thing people usually do would be going and look at the types of stuff that you can get online for your friends and so kind of spill the thunder there so uh so what, what, what happened was I went online to look for something appropriate to give to my friends and I came across something that was pretty cool that really matches my own character. It's like, what can you do when you match something that is very funny in a very trolly way and something that is very practical? So I found this book on the internet and this is not working anyways. Um, so I found this book on the internet, and it's called P is for Pterodactyl. So it's actually uh, the worst alphabet book ever. So, so you understand what, what I mean when you look through some of the pages that, that's in this book. So, for example, P is for Pterodactyl. As to. Oh, it's not working. Can I have the next slide? As uh, to K is for night. Or, as the next slide would say, that the next slide would say that M is for mnemonic. So imagine giving your children this book and tell them this is how you learn how to pronounce words and then they would hate you for for the rest of your life. But, but, but what I'm trying to get at is that words are quite interesting where there are a lot of subtleties about words, not just in the way words are being pronounced, but also how the meaning of the word can have nuances where if you change something slightly different, it comes to a completely different understanding of what the person is trying to convey. And so when you go to the passage you're looking at today in John 1, this is one of the most foundational chapters in, in our Bible, talking about who, Jesus is, who, who this Word of God is about, and you'll come across this phrase that the Word is God, that the Word is God. And you might think, okay, how is God just a bunch of words? Like, that makes no sense, right? But if you look throughout the whole Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you realize that when they talk about word, there are powerful things that God does, that when he spoke out something, it becomes reality. Then when you say, when God says there will be mountains, by speaking that out, then there will be mountains. When, when God says there shall be gravity, then gravity happens, right? So words are a way where God puts something from the abstract to something that is real. But the problem with just looking at the idea of the word as God is that when you look at the English language, the word, word doesn't quite capture the true meaning of what the author is trying to say. And, and that's a problem when we look at translations where we, we might find a word that seems practical, but it might not convey the true meaning. And so, as I dig deeper on the original language and try to think of a better way of understanding what they're trying to say, I find that the Chinese language, no, no bias here, even though most of us are Chinese here, but Chinese is actually better in the translation, and especially in this particular instance where the word "word" is being translated as this word here in, in the screen, called dao or "do" in Cantonese. And this word had multiple meanings, but the one that we most understood is you can actually uh, you can actually decode what it means by looking at the, the uh, the character itself so on the yellow part it actually means head it's a head don't ask me why this looks like a head but that's what it is and, and then on the bottom this is actually um, a symbol conveying feet and so when you talk about da which is literally translated as the way it means that there is a head component that you have thought it through your mind has processed something but that's not enough it's not just mere knowledge but there's also a feat where you're walking it out you're living it out something that is put into flesh and reality and essentially I think that's what the original text is trying to say that it's not just the word is God but rather it's the word being made alive The word is actually made alive, something that is tangible, something that is real, something that you can live out, something that you can experience through experiencing and seeing this word in action. And so as the passage goes on, it says that in him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's what the word is, is a light to show the world what is the original intent when God was creating this world, that in this world there will be the light of hope, love, peace, joy, kindness, everything through him, that this is all manifested. But of course, as we look through the Bible, when we read through the story from Genesis onward, you realize that people rejected the word. And as a result, darkness starts creeping into this world. And, and time and after time and after time, God tries to speak to the people in this world and try to tell them that there is this light available. And as long as you're willing, he'll be giving it wholeheartedly to you. But you will see over and over and over, people would touch it for a little bit and then rejected it. And so this is where we're coming to today, as we talk about this idea. Why do we have this idea of Christmas, where a God would come into this world as a baby? That makes absolutely no physical, psychological, physiological sense. Why would a God Almighty choose to become a baby? And to get a better understanding, I think this quote would really highlight why God chose the position to do what he did. And this quote is actually printed, and Melanie would know, front and center, in giant text in the Richmond Brickhouse Library. So somehow this got missing. But the quote says that, tell me, and I forget, teach me and I may remember, involve me and I may learn, teach me and I forget, or tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember, involve me and I may learn." This is actually printed in large text in in, in the Brickhouse Library. And why it says that is, is that when you just tell an idea to a person, they might think, okay, cool, nice idea but they might not see it through and they might not see it as something that is real in this world but when you start explaining in the, your own terms when you use the own context to explain it to it, to the person they might seem to get a little bit more and, and see this as relevant just like how when we look at textbooks we always say that when we read a textbook you can skip like half the book because they're all examples but Important as you realize in your exam, but these examples tell you how to answer these questions, right? But most important of all, when you involve a person, when you hold their hand and walk together and, and be close in relationship and mentor the person as you walk through this state or this idea together, that's when they truly learn what it's really like to experience this insight, this idea as something that's tangible experiential and real and so the passage says that the way became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory the way became flesh Oh, well, there's a quote apparently the order got wrong but, uh, anyways so why does it have to become flesh? Why does God have to make that choice to become flesh and blood? And as I think about it, it reminds me of this life story that I had that if you remember a while back, there's this pastor called Doug who came and spoke to us. And I mentioned that we went on a mission trip together in Hong Kong and Macau um, a few years back. And so one of the things we had to do during this mission trip was to bring a bunch of young people to, to a camp in Hong Kong. And the youth here would would, would find it really strange that we go to this camp and we did not have to sign any waiver forms. It was like, you guys know how tedious it is for us to hunt you down with waiver forms. They actually don't ask us for waiver forms. But we do some of the craziest things I would never imagine. And we didn't have to sign a waiver. I'm like, this crazy. So one thing was, we had to jump off a three-story high boat into the the waters. And, And it was crazy, like you think they didn't make you sign a waiver so if anything happens like you can sue them and actually let's not talk about lawsuit, it's a sensitive topic here but but that's not the craziest part the craziest part was at the end of the camp we have to do this activity it's kind of like storming the wall in UBC there's this three four story high wall that you have to climb up and then what happened was (coughs) they tell you it's a trust exercise so you climb up this wall and you have to jump down from the wall but the bottom is concrete like it's not it's not foam or, or a mat or anything it's concrete and and so the guy was like don't worry it's all good it will just get all the other members to lift their hands up and then they'll catch you and you won't get injured and of course no one would trust that guy right like <coughs> and so he was like don't worry we'll we'll get someone to test it out and you'll see how how safe it is and so so he asked for volunteer, everyone looked at each other no one said anything of course and about 20 seconds passed out of nowhere I felt like someone was holding my hand and and then the next thing I know they lifted my hand up I got volunteered to do this and you know as a missions team member you don't want to look like you're a chicken so So I was like okay fine I'll do this so I got up there (coughs) up on the wall looking down and and for those who know me, I get injured easily is an understatement. So I'm actually quite worried when I was up there. And, <coughs> and they had their hands up, and they don't seem so sure either. They were like doing this when you're supposed to go all the way up. You're like, okay. And so you look down at hands. like They would be like, it's the hands of love, but I only see hands of blood down there. And, like <laughs> and so, you know what? I was scared I didn't want to do anything. Five to ten seconds passed. I was still standing there like shaking next thing I know the instructor was like don't worry you got this and pushed me and I felt face down I'm like really man Like, and and, and I, I felt all the way down but there were people that caught me and so I was fine nothing happened but at the end like, people realized this is actually not as bad as I thought and so they held all the hands up high and they, they were so sure and everyone was so excited like, this was fun I'm going to do this and They all got up one one at a time, and they did it. So, so why did I say this? So I think that's what the word "became flesh" is really about. That when we hear about what God is telling us, these ideas that oh, like God is great, God is great, God is love, and if you trust and follow Him, you'll get to witness the glory, you'll get to witness His love and peace and hope and joy. That you'll think, well, it sounds too good to be true. Like really? Like I just have to trust, and I would receive this salvation and love from God but because of that God already had a plan in mind that he would choose to come down and show us what it means and when you look at the passage it says that the word became flesh the word became flesh it didn't say the word is flesh it didn't say that at the beginning the word is already flesh and blood but rather he made that choice he deliberately chose to become flesh, to, to to as a king of everything in high places. He chose to become something lesser, as a human being, in order to show us what it means to live out this love, this life. That this is as a person through God is doable. That you're able to follow God and fulfill this purpose of worship and to receive love and to extend love through God and so it talked about this God that made dwelling among us and it is quite powerful to think that God didn't just come down on this world to show us that he is here to save us that he's not just here of course it's important that he died for our sins and he rose again but he could totally just do it with, with a snap and then everything would be done, right? Why did he have to go through all that? Just to save us. And I think it's way more than just saving and giving us salvation, but more, show, more, more so showing us that when he told us these ideas to, to, to love our neighbors and to love our God as, as we love ourselves, He is using his own flesh and blood to show us how it looks like as a human person to love God and to love your neighbor among us. So that we don't just see it as something that is very abstract, but something tangible that a human God is willing to go through all the rejection, all the suffering, all the persecution in order to love thy neighbor. And it is because of that, that we can see the glory through Jesus, that we're able to see the, the concepts of hope, joy, peace, compassion, love, righteousness, justice, through this life of Jesus, that, that it, with the power of God, we can redeem this creation through the handiwork of humankind, with the blessing and power of God. And to think about it too, right? Like how crazy is it that a God with all the power and knowledge and everything, he made that choice to go through the entire life course of a human being. He didn't just go and be like, okay, I become a human, right? Okay, well, why don't I just become a person in his prime and then go do whatever he needs to do and then be like, okay, I'm done, bye, right? But he chose to become a baby. Have you thought about, like, how frustrating it is to be a baby? That, like, you're helpless in, in, in the hands of your, your parents. You have to have someone changing your diapers and, like, you have to be fed. You have to be cared of. Like, how vulnerable a baby is. That, that a God is willing to go through all that vulnerability to, to, to show how it's like to, to, to live out a life in the image of God from beginning all the way to his death. And that's the kind of outreach that God is trying to live up. That's the kind of outreach that God is trying to live up. And when we come to this season of Christmas, I would like to argue that Christmas essentially is a way of God showing us this is how he outreached to us. That he chose to sacrifice and choose to make himself vulnerable so that you can see what it means to be loved by God so that you can see what it's like to love others just as God did when he was on earth and I wish is not something that you just go and be like open your palms up and be like okay, here's something, come get it it's way more than that for example, you can raise your hands up like this I mean, do it. So, like, raise your hand up like that. What if I ask you, you have to reach from, with your hand, without leaving a chair, from one side of the pew to the other side of the pew? How would you do that? The other side, not your side. The other end of the pew. How would you do that? It's impossible, right? Like, how do you do that, Like, right? But what if I tell you, you can extend your hand to another person and then that person extend their hand to the next person and the next person until the other person is on the other side of the queue. then this is doable, right? to go from one end to another but that also requires you to have that trust that the other person reach out to the other end, right? And, and that's what our wish is and Jesus came on this world for 33 years and of course he saved all of us his death once and for all but for us to understand this outreach he entrusted his own disciples he entrusted his own generations of disciples so that one hand would reach out to the next to the next to the next until the time he comes back and and that's what outreach is about that it's not so much relying on our own abilities but to trust that Jesus will sustain us as we embark on this journey to extend it to the next person we 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 partner with so that they will entrust that next person that they partner with. And so when we talk about this idea of Christmas, it's an outreach when the way made his own choice to become flesh, to show the world how it is love and how it can be loved. And as part of the community of God, we are doing the same thing that as we are able to experience this love through God's coming, through Christmas, that we can also love others and to experience love from God and from those around us. So the Word is God. The Word is God. You realize that it's way more than what is on the surface trying to say when we said the word is God. But there's also something subtle about this concept that the word is God. When we talk about the word is God, and when we talk about this idea of outreach that we talked about earlier, we realize that when we experience this word, when we are able to, to, to take this idea of the word and the way as our own, when we're able to realize that this way of goodness is part of God, and is now part of our our own lives as well. We realize that it's also trying to tell us that the world is good, that creation is good, that through God, creation will be made whole to restore to the goodness once again. Just as the brothers and sisters who were baptized, Ethan and Cindy earlier, They're trying to tell us a story that the future might look uncertain. But they all have that firm belief that through God, through the word, through this way, that they're able to see the goodness of this world and the God who has has created and made it. But of course, this is not the end. And so next week, we'll also get to experience and learn more about so what? that the word is good. What does that have to do with us? But for now, let's enjoy the Christmas season together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for for you, your very own, who have chosen to become flesh, to come into this world so that we're able to experience your love and your joy and your hope. And so as we continue to celebrate this season of Christmas, may we also learn to to know how to experience your love and to extend this love to those around us who are in need of this love. We pray that you'll continue to guide us, strengthen us, so that in our walks to reach out to those we're able to live out this true meaning of Christmas for now and forever. Thank you, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen.